So I want to read, I want to read a scripture found in the book of Genesis chapter 37, verse number five. It says this, one verse, guys. It says, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. That's it. Whoop, there it is. I'm going to talk from this subject in our time together. Come here, all 90s babies. It was all a dream. It was all, it was all a dream. As we enter into the first week of a new year, many individuals are articulating their intentions. They are communicating their commitments. They are declaring their desires for this new year. They have a righteous resolve about some resolutions they made that they are hoping are going to revolutionize their life. They are adamantly articulating that this year, 2022, is my year. It's my year of greater. And I am family as your pastor, as your spiritual leader, as a teacher who periodically adds value to some of your life, I am hopeful, I am optimistic that this can be your year of greater. But I think it's possible to be hopeful, optimistic, and realistic at the same time. Therefore, <laughs> if previous patterns are a predictor of future practices, then it's safe to say that a lot of people who are making declarations at the beginning of the year won't be walking in manifestation at the end of it. If the years in the past are an indication of this year we're stepping into presently, then it's, I feel safe in saying, unfortunately, many people will be making declarations, but they will not have demonstration regarding the dreams they have for this year. And I believe, I believe they will, <laughs> they will end up using, if I could borrow and utilize and redeem the words of Christopher Wallace, uh, they, they will end up at the end of the year saying, it was all a dream. That's all it was. A dream. It wasn't a reality. It was just a dream. It was declaration but without demonstration. It was articulation without a manifestation. It was all a dream. But I believe I'm talking to some people that are watching today, standing on tiptoe anticipation as we step into a new year that are saying, I want to do more than have desires. I want to do more than make declarations at the beginning of the year. I want to see some manifestation all throughout the year. 
And I am telling you, family, I believe there is a revolution that we, revelation that we must wrap our head around if we're going to have a revolution in our lives this year. Here it is, family. Dreams are not accomplished by strength alone. Dreams are achieved by strategy. If this year is going to be a year where we do more than just declare our dreams and just desire certain dreams, we've got to wrap our head around this reality that dreams are not just accomplished by strength. Dreams require a strategy. God had a dream for humanity to reconcile humanity back to himself, for humanity to live according to his creative intent. And God, who is the omnipotent, one, the one who possesses all power, the sovereign one, the king of kings and the Lord of lords did not achieve this by using strength. He achieved this by using a strategy. <laughs> Even in the Garden of Eden, he articulated to the enemy. He said, you deceived this woman into making a decision that was not in the best interest of the family of humanity. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to use the same woman that you used to break it. I'm going to take her and I'm going to use her to fix it. And she's going to give birth to somebody that's going to bruise his heel on the serpent's head. He said, I got a sh <laughs> I got a strategy. Hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, God put it on the hearts of prophets. He gave them insight and unction and impulses and intuitive analysis to be able to say, somebody's going to be born in Bethlehem. A, a prince of peace, a mighty God, a wonderful counselor, and the government will be up on his shoulders. That was a strategy. He came down through 40 and 2 generations. <laughs> lived 33 years crucified on a cross at Calvary stayed in the grave all day Friday all day Saturday but early Sunday morning got out of the grave with all power in his hands meandered around his disciples and showed himself by many infallible proofs and then ascended back to the Father, sent the Holy Spirit down to us and empowered us to live the life he's created us to live. That's a, that's a strategy. That, 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 that's a strategy. Even in scripture, we see very often before God would give people a miracle, the first thing he would give them before the miracle is a strategy. <sighs> Hallelujah. Let me just pause right here and let me just share this, declare this over somebody's life. Supernatural strategies are getting ready to come to you. Somebody put in that chat, I receive it. I said, I said, supernatural strategies. They ran out of wine at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. And before Jesus turned water into wine, he gave them a strategy. When Israel was trying to make their exodus out of Egypt, they ran into the Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh behind them. They didn't know what to do. God gave Moses a strategy. When Israel was attempting to conquer the promised land, the first city called the city of Jericho. And Joshua ran into those impenetrable walls. God gave Joshua a strategy. And if he did it for Joshua, if he did it 
for Moses. You better believe he can do it for you. Somebody that's believing God to give you some supernatural strategies, just prophesy to yourself and say, it's on the way, it's on the way, it's on the way, it's on the way, it's on the way. If there's a way in, there's a way out. If the devil can get me in it, God can get me out of it. If I broke it, he can fix it. There's a way out. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but don't you fall in despondency and despair. There's a way out. Because God, a God, a strategy. And God doesn't just give any kind of strategy. He gives the right type of strategy. We don't just need a good strategy. We need a God strategy. Darius, what's that? God's strategies don't just help you execute. God's strategies help you overcome the obstacles to your execution. Please stay with me. I said God's strategies don't just help you execute. They help you overcome the obstacles to your execution. For example, maybe someone has dreams this year in the area of their health. Maybe they want to steward their temple better. And maybe they've made commitments and come up with a strategy to drink more water, monitor their salt and sugar intake, and exercise regularly. However, if the strategy doesn't include a plan to deal with the late night temptations, y'all aren't talking to me. If the plan does not include a strategy to address how am I going to handle myself when I love my bed better than the gym, if, come on now, if, if, if the strategy doesn't include a plan to manage my discouragement when I'm putting in the work and not seeing the results, there will not be an execution of that strategy. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's one thing to have a strategy. It's another one to include in the strategy a plan to deal with problems that are inevitable. So you think you're going to walk through a dream without dealing with some difficulty. (laughs) Watch this. Listen to me. Our dreams, somebody write this down, will not become a reality unless we learn to kill the thing that kills the dream. (sighs) Did you hear what I just said? I said, people who do not know, who have not learned the skill to manage the difficulties that are associated with dreams, allow those difficulties to kill the dream. They're dream killers. And so then if I'm going to accomplish dreams, then it means now I've got to learn the art of killing the thing that kills the dreams. I'm talking to some people every year. You don't have a dream problem. You don't have a vision problem. Come on, who am I talking to? There are people, you, you have more vision than you have time. 
You, you, you have more, come on, you, 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 have more, you, you have more desires than you have margin. You have the, many of us have the knowledge you need to get the results you want. <laughs> See, new information is not a substitute for poor execution of old information. Yeah, obtaining new information is not a substitute for poor execution of old information. Please don't miss this, family. We've got to kill the thing that kills the dream. And our text here with Joseph is an incredible example of what I'm trying to articulate. Because this Joseph story begins with a dream. His story is what I call a purposeful dream. And I say this because there are two types of dreams, right? There are personal dreams and there are purposeful dreams, right? And so I'm not making a judgment on either one, but we do need to know the difference between the two. And see, personal dreams can be a bit deceptive because, watch this, because personal dreams don't always deliver what people think they'll deliver. I'm going to say it again. Personal dreams can be deceptive. So you got to make sure that the personal dream has some purpose in it. Because if not, the personal dream, even if you accomplish the dream, it's not going to give you what you thought it's going to give you. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so it, it's like, so you end up like Jacob and uh, you, you end up spending years of your life thinking you're about to get Rachel. And then you wake up and you say, this is not Rachel, this is Leah. And I mean, I gave all this time, all this energy, all this effort, all this sacrifice to get this. And when I got it, I saw this not what I thought it was. Are y'all here? Jacob gave up all of those years of his life working for Laban, thinking he's getting one daughter and Laban switched it and gave him another. See, personal dreams can function that way. You can spend years and energy and time chasing something and then you finally get it. You say, oh, I thought marriage was going to make me feel pretty. Y'all missed it. I thought money was going to make me feel safe. I thought status was going to give me self-esteem. I thought the promotion was going to make me purpose. And so I miss my kids' games and I miss interaction. I miss taking care of myself. I sacrifice my body. I sacrifice my mind. Chasing after Rachel, and when I got it, I said, this, this Leah. Yeah. <laughs> listen to me, listen to me, family. Listen to me. So I'm not saying personal dreams are wrong. They just require some investigation, and the personal dream should be in concert with and not conflicting with purposeful dreams. Watch this, because when, when this happens and we don't address it, the wrong dream will end up killing the right one. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? 
Some people cannot accomplish their purposeful dreams because their personal dream is not in concert with the purposeful dream. It's in conflict with the purposeful dream. And we don't talk enough about this, how purpose requires you putting some things to death. Talk Holy Spirit. How how destiny requires that when some desires rise up in you, that conflict with God's purpose for you, that you say like Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, if it's possible, (laughs) remove this cup from me. I want this, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And I'm telling you right now, if you can't tell me what you put to death, you can't tell me you walking in destiny. I'm going to say that one more time. If you cannot tell me what you have put to death, you cannot tell me you are walking in destiny. I had to put law school to death. I wanted it. And God never stopped. Watch this. God did not take my desire for it away from me. Because if the desire is taken away, then it wouldn't have been a true sacrifice that was offered. It's got to be Isaac. It's got to be something I want to keep. God did not create us to fulfill our dreams for our lives. He created us for us to fulfill his dreams for our lives. And the question is, do we trust him enough to say, y'all don't know nothing about this. I know y'all to to, to trust him enough to say, I cry till you tell me, let it go, let it be. Because, oh, Lord, your will is what's best for me. I'll cry, but I'll let it go. I may pout, but I'll let it go. Because I've learned that your will is what's best for me. Watch this, family. See, here's the difference. Purposeful dreams are dreams that are deposited by the divine that are necessary for your destiny. What's this? So the, here's the question. The question we, we, we have to ask is not just what dreams do I have. The question we have to ask is who deposited them? Where did this deposit come from? Because some deposits are, pa- are parental deposits. I'm not saying they're evil. I'm just saying you got to investigate. C- come on now. Because there are some dreams you think that you're owning that aren't yours. Parents gave them to you. Friends gave them to you. But purposeful dreams are dreams deposited by the divine that are necessary for your destiny. It's when God attempts to make you want what he wants for you bad enough that you take action. And this is the kind of dream that Joseph experienced. He had a purposeful dream. His dream was a picture of God's preferred future for him. And in chapter 37, we see the declaration. 
Joseph shares what he saw in the dream. He saw him and his brothers out in the field gathering sheaves, uh, gathering sheaves of grain, and his sheaf arose, and all of his brother's sheaves bowed down, to, gathered around his, and bowed down to his. In another dream, he saw the sun and the moon and 11 stars bowing down before him. This is chapter 37. This is the declaration. But in chapter 42, we see the manifestation. It says, now Joseph was the governor of the land, the people who sold all the grain to its people. So when Joseph's brothers arise, arrive, they bowed down. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Chapter 37 says that Joseph had a dream. In the dream, he and his brothers were out in the field gathering sheaves, and his brother's sheaves gathered around his sheep and bowed down to his. He had another dream with the sun, moon, the stars. He saw 11 stars, and they bowed down. Okay, that's chapter 37. But chapter 42, it says, Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. When Joseph's brothers arrived, they, they bowed down. Chapter 37, we see declaration. Chapter 42, we see manifestation. So Joseph's dream was more than a dream. Joseph's dream actually became a reality. He saw what he saw. Ah, yeah. And I'm trying to talk to some people because I want to know, is there anybody that's watching that's willing to say, it's my season to see what I saw? I'm tired of talking about what I saw and writing about what I saw. I'm ready to start seeing what I saw, to start walking in what I saw. This is what happened with Joseph. Listen to me. But let's not make us any assumptions about Joseph's accomplishments. This was not without obstacles. Between 37 and 42 is some stuff we need to talk about. Come on, because the chapters we like are chapter 37. That's declaration. And we like chapter 42. That's manifestation. I want to tell you what matters is how you manage 38, 39, 40, 41. And I want to talk to somebody, don't you quit now? Because here's the thing, you never know what chapter you're in. Ah, you might be in 41 and you don't even know it. You may be right on the verge and the edge of a page turning and you don't even know it is how do you handle the chapters in between? And it's a lot that happened in between those chapters. In between those chapters, he got physically assaulted by his brothers, sold into slavery, falsely accused, wrongfully imprisoned, forsaken and forgotten. I'm gonna say that again. Physically assaulted by his brother, sold into slavery, falsely accused, wrongfully imprisoned, forsaken, and forgotten. See, when Joseph gets to Egypt, nobody ever talks about why he didn't go back home. Because he was still a slave. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, he was still a slave. When he was working for Potiphar, he got promoted, but he's still a slave. I'm not even going to bother that. His address changed, but he was still a slave. His clothes changed, but he was still a slave. 
He went from shopping at one place to shopping at another. <laughs> but he was still a slave. His room was nicer. It was just a pretty prison. Here it is. All of these experiences were intended by the enemy to be a dream killer. Because the attacks didn't come until Joseph got the dream. <laughs> Don't you mess with me here. Read the text. The text says the brothers didn't start hating until he started dreaming. Oh, here it is, 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 here it is. Here it is. If we're going to learn from Joseph and move from dreams to reality, accomplish our assignments, then we, then we too must learn how to identify and address dream killers. And Joseph's story exposes us to three dream killers that we might have to overcome, identify and overcome. Are you ready for number one? Here it is. The first one is seen in, in the first part of chapter 37. Genesis 37 verse 2 says this. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph a young man of 17 was tending to the flocks with his brothers, his father's wives, and, and brought their father a bad report about them. Okay, so he, 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 here's the first thing Joseph had to overcome. Are y'all ready for this? Yeah. Put yes in the chat if you're ready. Here it is. Here it is. Number one, here's a dream killer. It's in the text. Immaturity. Come on. <laughs> Let's read again. Joseph, a young man, 17. <laughs> so, right, come on. His age physically can represent people's age spiritually and emotionally. So when we talk about immaturity here, I don't want you to think just age. You can think emotions. You can think spiritually. Here it is. He's 17, and he keeps bringing his father, or he brings his father, a bad report about his brothers. It's immature. Now watch this. Why is he doing that? He's trying to earn something he already has. Because the immature are ignorant of their own inheritance. Did you hear what I just said? So what the text says, the text says, it says, now Jacob, come on, favored Joseph, read it, more than the other children because he was the child of his old age. So he already had the favor of the father. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But he's attempting to make others look bad to gain favor with somebody he already has it with. Are y'all here? Are y'all bored? Are y'all? Here, here it is. Here it is. His father favored him more. And there's a lot of talk about having favor. But Joseph's story teaches us the importance of handling it. He had it, but he didn't handle it properly. Somebody put this in the chat. Favor is fragile. Come on, 
we just came out of the Christmas season, right? And some of you got boxes and the boxes that came in in the mail or that got delivered may have had a sticker on them. And that sticker may have said, handle with care. Favor is something that must be handled with care. And so he had favor, but he did not properly handle favor. Watch this. He flaunts the favor. So he ends up fumbling the favor. Because the immature are always chasing what the fathers already gave you. <laughs> ah, they can't trace, they can't trace, can't chase purposeful dreams because they're too, bed, too busy chasing what the father already gave you. Are y'all hearing me? (laughs) We see here in the text, immaturity. His immaturity affected his discernment. It affected his relationships. Watch this. When you read the story, you see this dude. He keeps, okay, he gets a dream and he, he goes and tells it to his brothers. The Bible says his brothers hated him no more. He gets another dream. He goes back to the same brothers. So he keeps telling, I'll deal with this in the next point. He keeps telling his dreams to people who aren't healthy enough to handle it. Because immaturity won't allow you to see who you shouldn't talk to about what. Just because it's good news doesn't mean it's good for everybody to hear. (laughs) Are you hearing what I'm saying here? And I believe this immaturity, watch this, I believe this is one of the reasons that God allows him to experience the type of adversity he goes through because if the immaturity we see in chapter 37 isn't addressed, then he will not accomplish his assignment in chapter 42. Because an immature man doesn't look at people that put you in a pit and sold you into slavery and say you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The only reason he's able to properly execute that assignment is because that immaturity got addressed through adversity. And this is what I'm saying, guys. We can't just keep talking about what God wants to do without talking about the kind of person you need to become for him to do it. Here's the text, Galatians chapter four, verse number one says, I mean that the heir as a long, I felt the Baptist, let me calm down here. I felt that thing jump on me. (laughs) Yes, sir. As a long as he is a child is no different than a slave, though he's the owner of everything. Did you hear what Paul just said? He said he's an heir. But as long as he's a child, he's no different than a slave. Heir of everything. But as long as there's immaturity, your experience will be no different than those who aren't heirs. 
See, there are some promises that are reserved for grown folk. Hmm. Did you hear what I just said? I said, did you hear what I just said? Yeah, when my uncle was, my uncle's a, a, an entrepreneur, when my, when my uncle passed away years ago, he had a trust set aside. And there were some things that his daughter couldn't get until she got to a certain age. And when she got to a certain age, it triggered access to some things that are in the trust. And I want you to know that this whole New Testament is a trust. It's a will. It's a testament. And there are some things that God put in there for you and for me. But we don't get access to them until we mature. Peace that passes all understanding, that's for grown folk. You don't get that unless you're grown. No weapon formed against you will prosper. It's a lot of weapons forming against people and it's prospering. But it's not prospering against all people because that's for grown folks. Yeah, more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. That's for grown folks. If you want to get blessed, get grown. If you want to get delivered, get grown. If you want to get to the next level, get grown. I've got to kill immaturity. Now notice, I didn't say immorality. Because we don't see that in this story. See, because we think that's the only thing that can kill your dream. Can that kill the dream? Yes, but that's not the only thing that can kill the dream. It's immaturity. He wasn't evil. He was a little petty. He wasn't evil. He, he stunned, flossed, flexed a little bit. Come on. So here's my question. Have you been ignoring God's instruction? to address areas of immaturity to the detriment of your own elevation. What has God been trying to get to you but he can't because you will not follow and take seriously the instruction he's telling you to deal with stuff in you that you won't deal with because you feel like it's less than What's going on with everybody else? What is blocking your blessing that you think is not that bad? But it's not that bad. I was like, nah, but there's something on the other side of this. Lord, it's not sin, but is it a weight? Say, what have, I, what have I been talking to you about? Have I been talking to you about discipline? Have, 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 huh? have I been talking to you about boundaries? Have I been talking to you about order? Have, have I been talking to you about that attitude? Have I been talking to you about your impulsiveness? Have I been talking to you about your temperamental nature? Have I been talking to you about un, being unpredictable attitudinally? Because where I'm getting ready to take you, people need to be able to predict who they're going to get when they get you. Now, if you don't want to go there, don't, don't change that. Come here. This is grown folks teaching right here. Yeah. 
God's like, no, no, I don't should just be so obsessed with immorality that you don't see that some dream killers are immaturity. Because it take a different kind of person to stand in chapter 42 and bless those that tried to kill you in chapter 37. That, excuse my bad, excuse my English, bad English, good theology. That ain't the same man. Hey, the Joseph you see in chapter number 42 is not the Joseph we see in chapter number 37. And God's like, yep, it took the pit. It took the Ishmaelites. It took Potiphar. It took being falsely accused. It took being in the prison with that butler and the baker and being forgotten. It took all of that to work all of this out of you. But oh, I'm sorry. That was my Pentecostal coming out there. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I felt that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but oh, that chapter 42 is worth it. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because when Joseph gets on the other side of this, he gives birth, doesn't he, to two children, Ephraim and Manasseh. And he says when he gives birth to Ephraim and Manasseh, he says, you have made me forget all the pain of my father's house. He said the blessing that I get on the other side of this, what I gave birth to is so beautiful and bountiful. It pales in comparison to the pain I went through. I don't know who this is for, but I want to tell you it'll be worth it in the chapter 42. I know you're crying right now, but it'll be worth it in chapter 42. I know it's hard right now, but it'll be worth it in chapter 42. <laughs> One time I was having a conversation with a friend and he was talking me through something in the old that he went through in the old season. And I was like, how, how did that feel? He said, bro, this is what I remember. He said, he said, all I remember is it hurt, but I'm so blessed now. I don't remember what it felt like. <laughs> Somebody come get me. I need, I need, I did your boy. If we was in church, I don't need my runner right there. I said, he said, it hurt but I don't remember what it feel like. I'm telling you, God's gonna take some of you to that season. You're gonna step into a season and you'll say, it hurt, but I can't remember what it feel like because I'm so blessed now. I've got so much peace now. I've got so much perspective now. I got to go. This is too much. Can I have four more minutes? Let's, here, here it is. I immature, that's the first thing I see in the text. Okay, second thing I see in the text, number two is insecurity. Now watch this, it's in the text. Now when I say insecurity, I'm not referring to insecurity in Joseph. We're gonna deal with that in another message when I talk about imposter syndrome, because that's a dream killer. So I'm, I'm gonna deal with that later. But no, 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 I'm talking about insecurity in others. The insecurity in somebody else can be an assassin to your dream. It's in the text. <laughs> <laughs> in Genesis chapter 37, verse number uh, four, it says, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. So he's hated at least at this point. Now, I'm sure his tattletaling didn't help, but he's hating, he's hating at the, hated at this point for something 
that's not even his fault. So if the father favor me, what you want me to do? Not take it? <laughs> Y'all, did you hear what I just said? I said, if, if, if the father favor me, what, what do you want me to do? Not take it? I ain't asked for a dream. God gave me one. Watch this. Dreams expose, your dreams expose insecurity in those who don't have one. <laughs> See, the brothers didn't have a dream. And when you are a dreamer dealing with non-dreamers, the only thing non-dreamers can do is attack yours because they don't have one of their own. Listen to me, because your assignment demands attention. And if someone is constantly and chronically critiquing your assignment, it's an indication that they don't understand theirs. Because when you get in purpose, you get busy. And if you're busy, you can't be a busy body. So when... Uh, so whenever you're dealing with busy bodies, you're dealing with people who are obsessed with your purpose because they don't understand their own. They had a problem with Joseph's dream and they had a problem with their place in it. They said, shall you indeed reign over us? Because if the dream was I was bound down to y'all, they would have loved the dream. Because some people have no issue with your dream. They got an issue with their place in it. Did you hear what I just said? They have an issue with their placement in it. If they placed in a prominent role in your dream, they love it. But if they feel like your dream in some way puts them on the back burner, then it exposes insecurity in them. I'm not going to bother this too much, but this is the year greater. And so what most people don't realize is that great greatness requires tension. Yes, 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 and yes. Come on. You understand? Like even when, even when you're working out to grow muscle, most trainers will encourage, at least in certain seasons, you go to failure. This is because when you're tearing, you're tearing muscle fibers and while you're resting, the, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the muscle is actually not growing when it's under tension. It's tearing. But it's growing when you're resting. And you can't have growth without tension, without some tearing, without being stretched. This is one of the reasons when a lot of people tell me, I want you to mentor me, I say, no, you don't. You don't want this. If you want to be great, you want this. You want tension. So, so, so we got we to gotta have some tension. We got to go to some places if we're going to be greater. So here it is. What do you do? When your dream, I got to go, evokes insecurity in those you have intimate relationship with. When I say intimate, we got to get out of this Western relegation of intimacy to sexual. Because I'm not even going to bother. That's a whole different conversation. You could be sexual and not intimate. Uh, okay, here it is. Yeah, so intimate meaning closeness. This this man own brothers. What do you do? See, see y'all don't want to go here, do you? What do you do? 
when the dream evokes insecurity in somebody with your last name. <laughs> Come on now. Come here. What do you do when your dream evokes insecurity in a spouse, in a sibling, in a parent, among friends? Can I help you? I said, can I help you? If I can help you, put yes in the chat. Here it is. This is grown folks here. This is tension. I love it though. I quit church three years ago. Y'all remember that series? <laughs> Y'all remember that series? Yeah, I quit church. I, I do kingdom. Here it is. Y'all ready? Their insecurity is not your responsibility. Your assignment is. Don't flaunt the favor, but don't be imprisoned by the opinions of others. Because it is not good for them for you to not be all that God's called you to. See, if Joseph doesn't step into the fullness of who he's supposed to be, <laughs> his brothers die in a famine. So you, you, so you trying to hold me back, but you stopping me from becoming somebody you're going to need in the future. So I love you enough. I love you enough to let you stay in your feelings now so that you don't die in a famine later. If Joseph would have been imprisoned by their insecurity, he wouldn't have been in position to help them later. <laughs> so I have to let you cry now. So that you don't die in the famine later. I can't be who you want me to be and be who you need me to be at the same time. And I love you too much to pick the wrong one. Because the dream isn't about me. The dream is about others. Did you hear what I just said? Number three, we're done. Immaturity, insecurity. Number three, here's the toughest one. Inactivity. See, immaturity, watch this. Immaturity is about you. Insecurity is about others. Inactivity is about God. If we're going to manage, <laughs> whew, if we're going to accomplish our dreams, we got to learn how to manage seasons where our brothers 
put us in pits. And Potiphar's wife puts us in prisons. And it seems like God's doing nothing. God didn't cause any of it, but he could have stopped all of it. So somewhere when Joseph is sitting in that pit, I just feel safe in assuming he's got to be thinking, God, what are you doing? Now watch this. Watch this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. He's sitting in a pit. Then all of a sudden, he gets out of the pit. He's probably thinking, my brothers changed their mind. And they sell him as a slave. So he gets out of one pit and ends up in a cage. <laughs> Have you ever thought you were coming out of one trial and then just found out you just transitioned to another one? God, what are you doing? Why didn't you stop it? And the inactivity of God, if not managed properly, will produce what I call silent offense. And most Christians just have not got to the place where there's the not where they see God as a non-judgmental being so they can be emotionally unfiltered the way David is. Sure, sure, sure. You got me? Like the way you talk to him says a lot about the way you see him. Right? So the stuff that David said, we would never say. Cuz you really don't see God as that safe. The stuff David said in the Psalms is a man who felt safe with the Father. Say, you know my thoughts. We might as well talk about them. Silent offense. And there are many of you, you watching right now, and maybe you got some silent offense about 2021. God, why didn't you stop this? I'm not saying you caused it, but you could have intervened and you didn't. But I want you to remember the words of Jesus. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. He says the devil is going to try to use God's inactivity to produce offense. He says, but if you can trust me enough to reject the temptation to be offended, I'll get you to your chapter 42 that'll help you make sense out of your chapter 37. Did you hear what I just said? And that offense that comes from inactivity is a dream killer. So some people right now are in 2022. This is the way it was going to go before this message. Before this message, it was about to go this way. But the word says very clearly that when God sends his word, 
it does not return to him void. It will accomplish the thing he sent it out to do and it will prosper the thing wherein he sent it. And some of you were about to go into 2022 with a half-hearted chase. You're going to, because when you got a fence in your past, you don't go hard in your present. You don't chase a dream when you're walking in a fence. Are y'all following me? Even in relationships, offense affects pursuit. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? Offense affects pursuit. No one wants to pursue someone that keeps offending them. And the enemy wanted to use the offense in the past to keep you from pursuing in your future. But God sent this word strategically on the first Sunday of 2022. Maybe you needed a word like this. Maybe you didn't need to be gathered in a room to get a word like this. Maybe, maybe you needed to be right where you are so you can sit with this thing because now you don't have to worry about who's around you and do you have space and you can pause it for a minute and say, let me just sit with this for a while. Maybe God wants to get you to see something right now that you're getting ready to let offense from inactivity stop you from chasing when you might just be in your chapter 40 41 maybe God's getting ready to turn the page but you got to kill the thing that's going to kill the dream Lord help me with this immaturity I know I'm not going to be perfect ever but if there's some stuff going on with me right now that's getting in the way of what you want to do right now, show me that. Because I need to fix that. Lord, don't let me be imprisoned by the insecurity of others. I love people around me. I care what they think, but I don't want to be controlled by what they think. I want to care because I have a heart, but I don't want to be controlled. Lord, help me to be who people need me to be, not who they want me to be. And Lord, help me to handle the seasons where I feel like you are inactive. I need you to do something and you aren't doing it. Lord, help me to get out of offense in the name of Jesus. And I'm getting ready to pray. I'm getting ready to pray about this. I don't know why I feel, I just feel this leading on that last point. I'm getting ready to pray here. And I, and I don't think, and I've been, I've been studying scholarly continuation. I mean, I've been studying continuationists uh, who are scholars in the area of pneumatology because I'm trying to wrap my head around some of these things because I feel like in modern Christianity, we're dismissing the reality of what Paul calls heavenly realm. Realms, there's a, a realm of existence that exists outside the, the five senses and how things you can't see affect things you do see. There is a spiritual realm. You can't believe in God and not believe in a spiritual realm. But in that spiritual realm is good and evil. And they're both fighting for your influence. And I'm telling you right now, what I'm sensing, some of you are dealing with is a spirit of offense. How? A spirit of of offense. What does that mean? An offense that has so enveloped your being 
watch this, that you can now no longer break free of it with normal human effort. You need a breakthrough. It's become, we're talking about this on Wednesday, a stronghold. And so because you didn't get it out when you could have get it, got it out, now you want to get it out and you can't. I'm a, I feel the Holy Ghost on this time. I said, because when that offense first hit your heart, you could have kicked it out, but you sat with it and you meditated on it and you dwelled on it and you ruminated on it and the spirit told you to forgive and you didn't forgive and they told you told you to move on and you didn't move on and you chose to stay in that stay in that anger so in that season when you could have got rid of it you didn't and because you didn't now in this season you want to and you can't that's why i understand sometimes when people tell me pastor i can't forgive i say i understand i know where you are now when you could have you didn't and now that you want to, you can't. You need a breakthrough. Hallelujah. You need God to come in and to lift something off of you that you can't get off of yourself. You need deliverance from the spirit of offense. So I'm getting ready, I'm getting ready to pray this this is what the Bible calls prayers of authority. So there are all types of prayers, right? There are prayers of supplication, where I talk to God about things. Then there are prayers of authority, and exorcism is an example. That's when you talk to things about God. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? So I, I want to pray, because some of you need a breakthrough, and God's going to give it to you right where you are, right in your home. Now I want you to sanctify this space. Some of y'all are a little too comfortable at home. You need to sanctify this space. Wisdom is the ability to discern difference. The difference in a relationship, the difference in a moment. If you got wisdom, you can discern this is a different moment. So I want to pray. I'm not minimizing the hurt. I know you've been hurt. Maybe you got some offense with God. Maybe it's with others. But it's time to be free. Because the people that broke you not coming back to fix you. They're not coming back to fix you. The people that hurt you are not coming back to heal you. It's not your fault, but fixing this is your responsibility. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray again. Your word says to pray for deliverance from evil. And we sense that many of your people that are watching right now need breakthrough. They need, hallelujah, they need shackles to be broken off of their heart. You said your anointing not only removes burdens, it destroys yokes. So, Father, we speak to the yoke and we say in the name of Jesus who's given us authority over you, let them, hey, hey, let them go. Loose them and let them go. In the name of Jesus, we pray for freedom right now from father wounds. Let them, let them go. Church hurt, let them go. Disappointment in God, let them 
go. Oh, spousal hurt. Let, 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 let them go. Loose where the spirit of the Lord is, there's a liberty. And I thank you that chains are broken now. The will of your people is free to obey you. And he whom the Son has set free. Hey, 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 hey. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And I prophesy freedom just hit your house. And freedom just hit your heart. And freedom just hit you in the car. And freedom just hit you in the living room. And the enemy you see today, that one, that one, that one, you will see no more. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody in this studio, give him praise in the room.